Very good. Right where we were. Okay, and recording has stopped again. Okay, started again. Okay, so we're almost done here. I know I've been interrogating you for a long time, but this is second to last question. So um, I did have a little speculation when I was reading your thing. So in your thought-provoking reflections, you mentioned that coming out is often perceived as a Western concept that emphasizes individualism. However, I would um, posit that coming out is not only a process of claiming identity space, but also kind of like this necessary journey for individuals who background may not readily provide acceptance, forcing them to kind of like confront the question and make the decision to come out. So it's really, I feel like a pivotal moment for a lot of people where they kind of reclaim that space and that identity. That being said, I did appreciate your statement when you said you don't have to talk about your sexuality to be free from the constraint. I thought that was really interesting and really powerful. So could you provide further insight into this perspective and how do you perceive the freedom from societal constraints on sexuality without necessarily having to disclose or openly discuss one sexuality? So just talk about like that concept that you had and where that really came from. I think everyone is like in a different phase in life and it really depends where you are in life and if you can come out, then come out because it's it is it is really freeing, right? Um, I think with myself, um, mainly discussing about coming out with my family, I'm very out in society. <laughs> like everyone knows, except my family, that I'm gay. Mm -hmm. But I feel like with my family, it's like it's just another, it's just another topic that we discuss. But I think I'm pretty sure they have an idea like of my sexuality of being gay. Mm. um I feel I mean maybe because I got lucky that um my family is maybe more accepting of being gay I think it's just a topic that was never really important mm -hmm. well to me it's like it's okay like if they don't know right mm -hmm. like um I do my thing they do their own um but the funny thing is I just kind of came out to my cousin's two weeks ago <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> okay, okay. before pride um because it was a, it was really funny I was you know my we're in the group three uh it's a group chat and one of my cousins was like oh you should come to my apartment so we can use the pool and my cousin was like oh I'm actually hanging out with um with my part like partner situationship um named Danny and then for me, I laughed and I was just like, wow, where, you know, I also have a situationship named Danny. I just texted that <laughs> randomly. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, did I, I did, just do that? <laughs> did, 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 did I just say that? But like, really, it was not like the reaction was not like, really, wait, you're gay. No, they were just like, oh, he's cute. like, we need pictures and those kind of oh, things. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's not like they were surprised that I was gay. When it's like there's like no judgment and the walls are down like it's not a surprise because I swear down. like you just mentioned you know for, <laughs> I just, for me too I get it <laughs> I guess for like my family when you mentioned like um 
I mean, like, I'm not out. I don't feel like I need to. I was like, see, because I thought the same thing. I was like, come on now. Like, it's not like we're hiding here. And I'm like, if I was, when I was in the closet, it was made out of glass. Like, there was no, yeah. like, transparent as hell. So I'm like, when I came out to my parents, there was so much shock and stuff. And I was like, okay, like, it wasn't that, like, unobvious. But yeah, for sure. That's so comforting to know that they were definitely, like, okay with it. And, like, you know. Yeah. I think the, the whole, like, procession and individualism and collectivism is, I think, when just talking about immigrant family, we rely so much on our family for support, right? Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we don't want to ruin that relationship that we know that can ruin the relationship, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we're so family oriented. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and that family is important to us. And we know that, you know, they might change perspective on like, maybe like, just, just losing that support is emotionally like frustrating yeah that's for sure but also acknowledging that a lot of people unfortunately don't have you know those families that they yeah. can have that collective environment but that's why it's so important going back to what we were saying earlier why you need to make space and find your space because like family doesn't have to be blood family can be the community that you find like the group of friends you surround yourself with but knowing that what do you serve? What do those people serve for you? And knowing that there's that community aspect is really important because you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And once you have fear of a situation, like you just know you got to walk around with some bad people around you. And you're yeah. Like you got, you got, you can walk in any situation. And, and adding the pressure of being undocumented there. It's like, oh, like who do I really have for support? Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so final question, looking towards the future, what are your hopes and aspirations for creating a more inclusive and accepting society for undocumented and queer individuals? And how do you envision your ongoing contributions to this work? In what capacity do you see that? Mm hmm. We would love That's... to see you <laughs> thing. We'd love to see your work more out there. I think definitely people need to read what you have to say, Paul. I think you're an amazing writer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think, you know, um, I think the next step for my organization, Empowering API, um, is to hear more stories, not just from the leadership team, but to connect more with other undocumented individuals, but like especially those uh war queer. In the queer community, I think hearing more of those stories would shed light on what we, how we really experience the undocumented journey. It's, it's I think, and I'm not like you know, it's much different for us really. Um, and I think it would be really interesting and in how other people has done it. Um, I mean, with being Filipino, I think there's a lot of similarities with like Hispanic, um, undocumented queer community but i want to hear it from like oh like how how's it being gay and undocumented in like korean or chinese right mm -hmm. community i think it'd be really interesting um i think my work is really trying to um increase solidarity and put forward undocumented and lgbtq policies in labor organization and in community organization to help undocumented people Mm -hmm. um 
and increasing those resources for them. I think um, it's really frustrating just <laughs> waiting for the Congress to act, even mm. though it's it's been time, right? Yeah. I think we sometimes we need to focus on our local community and how we can help those local community. Mm. Um, uh, go ahead. No, sorry. go on. No, 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 go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Paul, please. This is your. <laughs> I want you to. <laughs> But yeah, and I think moving forward, I think we are trying to expand actually, not just within Washington or California to other states on how we can hear the stories of undocumented individuals. Mm. I really like that you talk about this like diversifying of the narrative in a way, because like that's really when we talk about an intersectional approach, we talk about meaning we need diverse voices who come from different backgrounds. And when you say like the movement does highlight the Latinx experience and what it means to be an undocumented um, Hispanic individual and it is centered around there and that's the fault of like maybe a lot of the discourse around but I think when you talk about needing to hear other voices like Korean um, Asian undocumented voices that's so interesting for me because before working with Apollo the organization I didn't even like conceptualize that like undocumentedness and Asianness could be like like parallel synonymous, yeah yes anonymous and parallel together I really thought it was like two separate identities that had nothing to do with one another because like I had never seen or heard of that in the zeitgeist of like anything it wasn't even out there until like I joined this organization and hearing from um incredible mentor Justine who like really instills that and just like instills that culture that really is there and I'm like wow there is a space for us there is a place where like we can have our voices heard so I don't know really cool to hear that yeah no it's um I think UCLA Dream Summer is the first time um back in 2020 when I did it um it's the first time I actually seen undocumented um Asian Pacific Islander I've never seen any undocumented Asian. What did that like, mean some, like, in that moment? Like seeing I that. think in that moment I just found like um family, someone to talk to about mm-hmm. our experiences, I think. Um, even when we met last year at the Immigrants um, Border Summit Justice, um, hosted by Apollo and UCLA um Labor Center, there was just so much like connection like there was it's not like oh we were questioning each other it was just like learning from each other it was like oh my god we have the same experience like that is crazy I never would thought about it and that's why I think where we ended up saying like oh maybe we should create an organization right to try to expand um um and be more what do you call it be more visible to our community mm-hmm. um yeah because even at the beginning when we talked about this you mentioned like um you know friends or something like asking question or really not understanding what it means to undo- be undocumented be queer and both simultaneously and like when we enter these spaces it's almost this cool thing where it's like we don't need to explain anymore like we just understand and it's this almost cool thing where like 
we don't need to talk. We just need to listen. And like, we can honestly do that without even words. Like we can really like feel the stories and the connection. And I think it's cool being part of this like program where we are meeting. And it's cool the work that y'all are doing at Empowering API and like bringing this community together because that's the type of visibility that makes people feel seen. And that also creates the collective movement to fight for the policies that we need. Yeah, and then I think just having more undocumented individual, we see where the gap, uh, missing gap is, and we can work on that, like in trying to either provide resources or recommendation for policies that you know can benefit everyone. Yeah. Okay. So, um, on that note. I am going to end this podcast. Um, I'm going to say thank you for everyone for listening and for joining us on our series for hearing undocumented immigrants. Huge thanks to Mr. Paul here for joining us today. And again, feel free to check out the Zine, um, tinyurl.com slash order sign. You can hear Paul's story and so many other amazing undocumented immigrants sharing their journey um, from the Asian Pacific immigrant community. So we're proud to have you. Thank you so much for joining us.